Let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 this morning. And I'm looking for the Schultz family, but I don't see them. Are they the Schultz family? Raise your hands, wave at me. There they are, okay. Right down here. And uh, we had mentioned last week that that was their last Sunday, but then they had some paperwork mess up, and so they're still here. Are you leaving this week? You still don't know. Well, I, I keep calling them and telling them not to approve your paperwork, and we'd love to have you stay, but I, I know they must go. But make sure you, you get to greet these folks and tell them that you'll be praying for them and encourage them a little bit, and, and I'm glad that they're here for one more Sunday at least, and, and they couldn't leave before the turkey. I think that's what it is, and, uh, but we're glad. They're moving to Uruguay, Uruguay, and they're uh, from South America born down there, and so they're heading back down there, and all their family and grandkids and everybody, and so that's a big, big move, so you pray for them. I asked the boys, I said, uh, their grandsons, I said, what do you think about this? And they said, well, we like soccer, so that's good, and so they'll, I think they'll adapt just fine, and they'll enjoy the life down there in Uruguay, so let's pray for this dear family as they go. If you haven't got to know them, you have missed out, and we're a good family, and uh, Mrs. Schultz, when they first started coming to the church, you just kept inviting more people. And she says, I'm doing my part, Pastor. I'm filling up a row. And they did. They filled up a whole row. And we appreciate that so much. First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16. I'm going to be honest with you about something. I don't like preaching on holidays. Because it just kind of puts you in a box. You know what I mean, Brother Hilton? You just feel like you got to preach Thanksgiving. you got to preach something about being thankful. And, and uh, so you can come to church today and you know that you're not going to get tore up about your sin and all those things. I don't want you to have indigestion when you go have your turkey. And so uh, I feel like I get put in a box, but I, I understand that. And you know, the Bible gives us the great theme of being thankful. And so it's not a hard subject to choose from. But uh, nonetheless, I'll just be honest with you, it's out of my comfort zone. And so, but anyway, we're, we're going to look at this thought today. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 that David had just fetched the ark. You'll remember the story a little bit. They had gone to get the ark from the Philistines, and the Philistines had all kinds of trouble, and they were tired of having the very presence of God there, not because the presence of God was a blessing to them, but it was a curse, and they had suffered the judgment of God because it was not in its right place. If only those Philistines knew what they had. Instead of worshiping the false gods of Dagon, had perhaps they'd worshiped the God of the ark, the God of Jehovah, that perhaps their lives would have changed. And as David began to bring the ark back, you'll remember that they stumbled and fell a little bit. And a couple men, Uzziah and another, they, they put their hand up just to steady the ark. It was in good intentions. But because they touched the ark, they died. Well, this scared David. And so they turned aside and they took the ark and they put it in the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. And there they would store the ark for three months while David went to God and pleaded with God and asked God, how do we do this properly? And God said, you have to do things in the due order. So David began to organize and he began to get the, the worship team ready and he began to get the trumpeters ready and the, all the musicians had their best music together and, and they built a tabernacle, a tent uh, covering for the ark and they prepared all of these things and they got a, 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 the, the proper cart and they got the, the oxen in line and they, they did all the pomp and circumstance that was necessary and that God commanded and they went and they fetched the ark again, this time with great success. 
And David would write a psalm for this occasion. And this is a psalm of David that we find in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It's not recorded with the rest of the psalms, but it is nonetheless a psalm of David. And it's interesting to note this, that a psalm, you say, what is a psalm? The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What is a psalm? A psalm was both a verse, it means to sing out, so it's a song, but it also means to pluck a string. So in other words, it is a song that is set to instrumentation. We sang this morning a little bit of a cappella. We sang the last verse of complete in thee, yea, justified, O oh, blessed thought. And we sang another, just a little bit of a cappella, and that's what some churches like to do, and there's nothing wrong with that, because the psalm means to sing out, but in particular, the word psalm means to be set to music. And so David will take this psalm, we will read in 1 Chronicles 16, and he will give it to Asaph. Asaph was the chief of the musicians, and he wanted him to set it to music. In other words, if David were to take this music, he would go to the trumpeters and say, here's your part, and, and to the, those that play the stringed instruments, here's your part, and to those that play other instruments, here is your part, and he would distribute this music through Asaph, and they would have this great orchestra, and they would sing this great song. What is that great song? Let's read it together in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. The Bible says in verse 30, uh, sorry, verse 34, we're going to just focus there. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You say, is that the whole psalm? No. Look back at verse 7 with me. We're going to read it very quickly, so if you can try to listen very quickly, I'm going to read very quickly. It's a lot of verses, but here's the psalm that David wrote. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Verse 8 is where this psalm begins. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O oh, ye seed of Israel, his servants, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be mindful always of his covenant, the word, of, uh, uh, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance, when you were but few, even a few, and strangers in it. And when they went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Sing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among the nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. 
Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it, sh- that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice in all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord because he cometh and judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name, and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you, and praise your holy name for all your many works, for all that you've done for us. Father, help us, Lord, today to be a thankful people. I pray that you'd focus our hearts and our minds upon the word of God today, that it would change us. And I pray, Lord, that through this today, this message, that maybe somebody that doesn't know Jesus would understand that we have a good God who loves them, died for their sins, paid the price for their salvation. So, Father, speak to us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, again, read it with me. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Why don't we say it out loud together? Let's read it together. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. All right, I woke up a few of you. Let's try it again. All right, now that you're awake, say the verse with me. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. How many of you just memorized it? You can go home with that verse in your heart. It's a very simple verse. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. If we back up to verse 8, as the, as the psalm of thanksgiving begins, it says, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. I want you to notice in the scripture, we are commanded to give thanks unto the Lord. He said, well, that doesn't seem very appropriate that we would be commanded to do so. Let me say it like this. We teach our children to say thank you. I can't tell you how many times at the fair this week we would hand out a Frisbee. That's what we had this year, these blue Frisbees that had our website and our name on it, Bethel Baptist Church, and our logo and a phone number. And we'd play games with the kids and we'd talk to the parents about the Lord and inviting the kids out to church and the parents out to our activities here at the church and and uh, we give out a Frisbee, and mom would say, now, what do you say? Say thank you. And we teach our children to show gratitude, to be thankful. And that's what the Lord is doing for us here. And over and over again, we see the Holy Spirit of God through the writers of Scripture saying, give thanks unto the Lord. And he gives us some reason. Number one, he says in verse 8, make known his deeds among the people. When we are thankful, we are typically thankful for something. And he said, I want you to make known his deeds among the people. He said, well, Israel should already know his deeds. 
As a matter of fact, if we were to read this psalm again as we just read it, you would find that David puts a lot of the exploits of God in this psalm. He talks about the different adventures that Israel had been on and how God delivered them from their enemies. We see about how they came into Canaan in this psalm. And, and so David is writing and reminding his people over and over again of what God has done for them. And he says, give thanks unto the Lord and make his uh, deeds known among the people. Listen, I want to say this this morning. We need to be reminded often of what God has done for us. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever come to church and say, oh great, we're singing about our salvation again. Oh, isn't this wonderful? We're singing about the blood of Christ again. Why are we always singing about the cross of Calvary? Friends, it's because we need to be reminded of these things because we are not by nature a thankful people or God would have never had to say it. But we need to be grateful as his deeds are made known among the people. In 1 Chronicles chapter 31, the Israelites specifically were appointed to give thanks and praise. When we get to heaven one day, there will be angels flying all about singing, holy, holy, holy. Think about this. In the nation of Israel, there was a group of people of the tribe of Levi that all they did was make praise to God. You would go into a place of worship, you would go to a time of sacrifice, and the whole time you would hear singing. Thanks unto their God, and they would sing about the goodness of God. In Psalm chapter 18 and verse 49, the Bible says we are to give thanks among the heathen. I wonder how many times when God does something in our lives, do we say to that unsaved neighbor, man, let me tell you what God did. Let me proclaim his goodness. Let me give a public testimony of how God has worked personally in my life. And sometimes we're ashamed. We, we sit in a hospital room and a nurse walks in and we, we stop praying. We stop thinking about the goodness of God because of shame. But no, it's those people that need to hear how good God is. And so we give thanks, the Bible says, among the brethren, but we also give thanks among the heathen. In Psalm chapter 30 and again in Psalm 97, it is repeated. David says we are to give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Well, I thought about this. We have a lot of general calls to thankfulness in the Bible. Give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Give thanks among the heathen. Give thanks and make known his deeds among his people. But when it came to his holiness, God got specific. Give thanks for his holiness. Because out of God's holiness, everything else comes out of it. Think about that. God is good because he's holy. God sent his son because he's holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is good. And because of that, God says, let's give thanks because of his holiness. In Psalm chapter 30 and verse 12, David says he will give thanks forever. It's an eternal privilege to give thanks to God. Hey, when you get to heaven, you'll be singing and praising all the time. I, I, in case you haven't noticed, I love music. I love to sing. And I, I think sometimes they're going to have to shut my microphone off because I would just stand up here and we'd just sing all day. I love it. And I just pick songs as we go and throw them in. Sometimes you don't even know, but that, that order of service means very little. We just keep saying, let's sing, he will hold me fast. What a great hymn. And, and it just it blesses my heart, encourages me to sing. We're going to be doing that for all eternity as we praise God and give him thanks. Psalms 92 reminds us it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. 
But the most common use of the phrase, give thanks, is from 1 Chronicles 16.34. And we see it repeated over and over again throughout the Psalms. Here's what it says. Give thanks unto the Lord, and here's how it is followed. For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. We see give thanks for many things in the Bible, but the most often use of the phrase is give thanks for he is good. You know, if I were to stand up this morning and say, the Lord is good, you might say, amen. Praise the Lord. I, I agree with that preacher. God is good. In some places, I might say, God is good. And the congregation would say, all the time. All the time? Have you ever been in a church that's done that? They did that in Africa all the time, and I guess in some places here we do that. Let's try it. God is good. All the time? God is good. And you've heard that before. We've seen that. Maybe you've watched the service online. But sometimes we say God is good, and I wonder, do we actually think about why God is good? Is it just a phrase that we use to comfort ourselves? In times of sorrow and grief, do we sit there with tears coming down our face and say, well, God is good. There are reasons he's good. God is obviously good, but like the old song says, we need to count our blessings. I, I like Romans chapter 12 where it says, for I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, plural, not just his mercy, but his mercies. Every time he's been good to you. I want you to present your body a living sacrifice in light of all that he's done for you, in light of all of his mercy and all of his goodness. For the Lord is good. Sometimes I think we like to make one of those plaques. Hilda makes those beautiful plaques, those scripture plaques. Some of you ladies have learned how to do that. And chalk writing and things. And we just put God is good and we hang it on our wall. It's a wonderful reminder, but can I encourage you this Thanksgiving weekend to take some time and ask yourself, why do I think God is good? We are to give thanks, for he is good, but what makes him good? What makes him good? Can I say this? If you watch the global news, you're going to say, well, why is a good God let all this happen? Let me say this. What you see on global news is not because of a good God, it's because of a sinful man. It's not because God is good, it's because we have departed from God. Understand this, God's judgment is necessary to maintain the good. We, we discipline our children. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He said, but why is there so much suffering? That's because of sin. Not because of, and I'm not saying some, somebody has a personal sin because they're suffering, but it's just the nature of the sin nature of man. That, that death and sin and suffering and sorrow and all these things that we struggle with have come into the world because of sin, because of the absence of God. Because the Bible says, for when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but their foolish hearts were darkened and they became vain in their imaginations and they professed that there was no God. That's the condition of our world today. Friends, if you are looking to the world, you will see sorrow and suffering. But if you'll look to the hand of God, 
you'll find goodness. You'll find goodness. So, today we give thanks for he is good. And I want to give you a few reasons today why I believe he's good. I'm going to be honest with you. It's one of those milk toast sermons. I would much rather get up and just rip. Just tear it up. I, I really would. But I understand we need to be reminded once in a while. The Apostle Paul said, to repeat these things is not grievous unto me, but it's necessary. We need to be reminded why God is good. Number one, I want to share with you this. He is good for how he provides for us. Turn if you will. Let's read it together. Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. You know the passage. Most of you could probably recite it. I remember Lori standing beside Mrs. Snively's bed in the hospital. and We recited this phrase together, this passage together. Psalm chapter 23. Look how he provides. And the first verse encapsulates it all. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Every need supplied. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they come from me. He provides for everything. Thou preparest a table before me in the wilderness, or in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. From the moment you are born into the kingdom of God to the moment you step foot on that heavenly shore, he has provided for you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Gospels tell the story of the disciples as the Lord Jesus Christ has trained them a little bit and brought them along, and now he's going to send them out on their first missionary journey. Not just the 12, but 70 of them. And the Bible says that Jesus said to them, Don't, don't take a, an extra staff, don't take an extra coat. Neither take purse nor scrip. Just take what you have. Often when we go on vacation or we go on a trip anywhere, we run to the bank, don't we? We, be we better grab a little extra money. We better make sure we have something in our pocket. We, we sometimes have to go to the store and we make sure that we have those supplies that we need. How many of you get snacks for the drive, amen? We enjoy that. There's not a road trip unless you have a Tim Hortons coffee right there in that cup holder. I, I always say to my wife, the, the most greatest tragedy on a road trip is an empty cup holder. I don't like that. And, and, and so I said, we, we, we prepare and we get ready. But Jesus said to his disciples, you're going on this missionary journey? Don't take anything. Don't take anything. It was a southern gospel song written about that passage. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And Jesus sent them out. And when they came back, they said, Jesus, you're not going to believe this. We, we were able to heal the sick. We were able to touch the blind. Even the demons were subject unto thy name. And Jesus was more concerned about this. He wanted to know if they had learned something. And so Jesus said to them this, listen. He said, when I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Can you imagine? 
These 70 disciples come back to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, you wouldn't believe how many people got healed and the revival meetings that we had and, and people's blinded eyes. Or we even cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's all, I got a question for you. Did you ever get hungry? Well, Jesus, are you listening? Did you, did you lack anything? They said, no, we, nothing. That was the point of this missions trip. I wanted you to know that I can supply everything you need. He takes care of us. He is a good God because he provides. I want you to notice secondly this morning, he's a good God because he protects. He protects. Psalm 115 verse 11 says this, and, and by the way, listen to the key of these first few words, ye that fear the Lord. Ye that fear the Lord. Oh my, sometimes the enemy gets through because we're not fearing the Lord. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. He protects us. He protects us. We see the heart of Jesus as he stands upon a hillside over Jerusalem. He says, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks. He had a desire to love them and protect them and to bring them into the kingdom of God. How many times do we see illustrations in the Bible that he is the, the shepherd and we are the sheep? That is a position of protection. How often do we see that he is the door of the sheepfold and there are thieves that would break through and, and steal and kill, but he is the good shepherd who protects the flock. How many times are we reminded that, there are, that he would leave the 99 just to rescue you? Because he loves you and he desires to protect you. He is our everlasting shield. He is our help in the time of trouble. He is our strong tower. I love Psalm chapter 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Listen, if you know Jesus, you are protected today. I'm thankful for the church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, if any man trespass against another, he's to go to that brother and he's to share that fault between them. And if they can't reconcile, then he's to go in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And if they can't reconcile, then he's to tell it to the church. And if they can't reconcile it, the Bible says he's to turn them over to the world. Because the protection of the church is removed. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Well, I, sometimes we run into people that say, well, I, I don't believe i got to go to church. Oh, friend, you're protected in the church. There's a shield around God's church. There's a help to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see that Paul said that there was a sin that was named that would not even be named among the Gentiles. And he says, you rather should have grieved and mourned, but instead you've rejoiced in it. And he says, don't you know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? He says, you should have turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. There's a protection in God's church. There's a protection if you're a child of God. I'm thankful today that he loves us and he's good and he protects us. Think about this. The Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can seek mercy, but we'll find grace. Grace for what? To help in the time of need. He protects us. God is good today. 
because he provides, because he protects. He's good today because he has a purpose for your life. Let me share a couple verses with you. Romans chapter 8, you know these verses. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Listen to this. God is good and he wants good for you. If you follow the Lord and you love the Lord and you're serving the Lord, he is working. Not everything that we go through is good, but he's working it together for good. He has a purpose for your life. And the next verse gives us that purpose. Why does he allow those things in our lives? He says, from whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants you to be more like Jesus. He has a purpose for you. You know, we, years ago, there was a politician in the United States, and I'm, I'm trying to think of his name. I think it was Al Gore. I believe it is Al Gore. And he ran for president. You might remember that. He ran for the president of the United States, and I think against Mr. Bush. And, and uh, when, I, when I learned a little bit about Mr. Gore, here's what I learned. That from the time he was two years old, his father had raised him to be the president of the United States. He taught him about politics. His father had been partially involved in politics and at a low level and, and, and just invested in his son and he took him to the best law school and he, he put him into political sciences and he, he trained him and he had been groomed from the time he was a child to be the president of the United States and he was just a few votes away from winning it. You might remember hanging Chad in Florida and that's how he lost. Incredible. To invest in somebody, listen, you have a higher purpose than that. Did you know that? Why would you stoop to be the president of the United States when you can be the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Why? And God says, I want you to be just like my son. Romans 12 says we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. But Jesus said, the purpose I have for you is that you're conformed to the image of Christ. Tomorrow, some of you will sit down for a dinner. And if your mom or your grandma's old enough, you'll have one of those goofy-looking jello molds. You ever seen that? Where they put fruit in it? Do you know that that jello looks just like the pan it came out of? That's conformed. You pour that liquid in there, hot, the sugar, mix it all up, drop that fruit in there. I don't know why you'd ever do that and ruin a good jello. And then when it's cold and it's set, they dump that out and it looks just like the shit. Some of you ladies made cakes for your kids when they're little. It might be Mickey Mouse pan. You ever done that? It looks just like the pan. That's what conformity is. God says, I have a son, he is perfect. And I'm so good that I'm working all these things together to good in your life that you might look like him, conform to his image. God is good because he has a purpose for your life. God is good because he protects. God is good because he provides. But listen to this. God is good for what he has paid. God is good for what he has paid. Two words come to mind, the word ransom. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The word ransom means it is a price that satisfies. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And God had a price for our sin. But Jesus said, I'm the ransom. I can fulfill and satisfy the very justice of God. His wrath can be poured out on me on the cross of Calvary. I am that ransom. And then we see the word redemption in the Bible. The Bible says in Revelation chapter, turn there, Revelation chapter 5. I want you to read this. This is good. Hey, are you glad you're saved? That's because Jesus paid a ransom. You had a debt you could not pay. The price was too high. And Jesus said, I've come to pay the ransom for many. He is that ransom. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so he is the ransom. But look what it says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified... or Sorry, I'm in Romans. My mistake. Romans, Revelation chapter 5. Look what it says. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne and out of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Isn't that something? The Bible says the lion of the tribe of Judah, when they called for that lion, a lamb stood up. And the Bible says, And this lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, by, by the way, let's just stop. Who's the lion of the tribe of Judah? It's Jesus. Who's the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world? It is Jesus. And the Bible says he came, verse 7, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. By the way, in heaven, you don't get to worship anybody unless it's Jesus. This isn't just some lion or just some lamb. This is Jesus Christ. And they worshiped him. Verse 10. Or verse 9, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made unto us, unto our gods, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Jesus Christ was the ransom, he was the price that satisfied the justice of God, and we are purchased and bought, and that word is, we are redeemed. You are paid for. I remember going to Walmart one time, and they forgot to disengage one of those little security tags, you know? And I walked out, and beep, 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 went crazy. And so they come running after you, and they treat you like a criminal, right? Sir, can we have a look in your bags? I said, yeah, go ahead. 
They looked. They said, do you have a receipt? I said, no, I don't. I think I threw it out at the door. I did. I threw it right in the garbage. I don't have it. They said, well, how do you prove that? And I said, well, how do you prove it's not? I said, it belongs to me. It's mine. Why? Because I purchased it. And somebody else come out and they said, oh, what's going on? And I said, well, I threw away my receipt and I can't prove that this stuff's mine, but I can tell you that I purchased it. And the lady had her kids in our ministry here, Master Club. She goes, this is the pastor from the church. I'm sure he didn't steal it. I thought, great, I got a free pass every time I go to Walmart now. No. <laughs> Terrible. But it was mine on the merit that I had purchased it. Who do we belong to? Because we are purchased by his blood. He is the ransom. We are the redeemed. He is good because of the price he paid. Let me give you one more thing. One more thing. He is good. And my time is up, so let me just do this. We'll close my Bible. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) He is good, listen, for what he has prepared. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I was sitting in my chair yesterday writing out this sermon and thinking about that, and I got thinking about, I got thinking about Karen. I got thinking about Jessica. And I just thought, they're home. You can call it heaven, you can call it a lot of things, but it's home. It's home. What has he prepared? He prepared for us a heavenly home. But not only that, he prepared a heavenly body. I won't turn there today, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that our bodies will be sown in dishonor and raised in honor. Be sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. And one day we'll say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of sin, death is sin, or is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Listen, do you know him today? If you're a child of God today, he's prepared something very special for you. But you have to accept that free gift of eternal life through the price that he paid. He is our ransom, and you can be his redeemed if you'll let him purchase you by his blood today. I'm going to ask Judy to come and sing a song as our invitation this morning. Uh, you just be, remain seated if you like while she sings, but if you'd like to come to the altar, please, please do so. I asked her to sing the song. It just simply says, God's been good.